0: Welcome to Zimer guys. Ahoy hoy. We are Bob and Larry. Mm-hmm. And we're here to talk to you about some of the stranger stories of beer and fermentation throughout history. You can find us on all of your favourite podcasting platforms and all good and bad social media at guys Pod. This is episode 26, Orval again. Yes.
1: This is a first in the Cymer Guys history. Is it? <laughs> it is. Uh, I mean, I want to be as transparent as possible yes. and uh, make it clear from the get go that the episode is called Orval again mm-hmm. because we are redoing the episode. That in itself is nothing new. For example, we did the Baltic Porter episode a like number three
0: of- or four times yeah, before n- we None nailed of
1: it. those subpar products actually went out. To the wider world, ah, okay, or the world wide web, rather. This is a,
0: this is our first recall. This is a recall. Look, it happens to the best breweries. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I like to think of us as being well above the best breweries. Of course, like I mean, I think there's also a, a terrible joke to be made there that only the best breweries are the ones actually doing recalls. Yeah. The, the worst ones just let them, let it hang That's out. That's also very true. <laughs> but. It is a first. I edited the
1: episode, Mm -hmm. I put it out there, and an hour or two later, I thought to myself... Having listened to it yourself. While editing, I didn't even listen to it again, but I Mm -hmm. realized that what I just put online was trash. I did not like it. I wasn't a fan of it, and I quickly uh, removed it from the wider internet. So hopefully no one actually
0: downloaded it. I didn't get a chance to listen to it myself even. Well, that's I was, good. I hadn't gotten home from work yet. That's good. It wasn't even <laughs> any of the content. It definitely
1: was the fact that we were still trying to shake off the rust. that We did it during the first session of recording.
0: Mm-hmm. And we were rusty as all. We were so know. rusty. We were so used to a crowd now to bounce exactly. off of. And now it was just me and you in a dark Well, it's not even dark, but a quiet room. Yeah, and I look at you and I,
1: again, coming (laughs) coming back to the whole old married couple, divorce, uh, growing apart We needed some
0: excitement in our life. Exactly. We we needed to bring
1: in new people, (laughs) make this an open relationship. (laughs) My sincere apologies go out to the six people that actually managed to listen to the episode Uh, to make it up to you. I propose that we are willing to have a beer with you to make it up uh, to a beer
0: on you. On you. (laughs) On you, yes. (laughs) Yeah, if you're one of those six people, please write to us on Facebook. It's almost definitely someone in Tallinn. Uh, Definitely. At least one of those people is in Tallinn. And we'll hear about that. Going by
1: the statistics, I. Do you think that one of them, or uh, I know that one of them at least is in Lithuania, Mm -hmm. and I think our (laughs) good friend Beer Fox Mike, or nowadays After Work Mike, was one of them as well. But I think let's approach the whole Orval thing. Get back into Orval. Again. Again. Mm, To start this off, I do have to admit, and. Yet again, full transparency with the patrons of our imaginary pub. Mm I am bored. I am bored by beer nowadays. I have been in the beer scene for more than 10 years now. Spent a good chunk of it uh, brewing interesting, fascinating beers, good beers, even sometimes, you know, and I've seen it all. I've done the whole thing of uh, chasing trends and chasing the
0: hype beers, <laughs> the New England IPAs and what no what do you always say the milkshake. Yeah. The milkshake New England IPA. I still take credit for
1: being part of the crew to bring the first New England or to make the first New England IPA in
0: Estonia. Uh oh, there's going to be so many people who have something to say about that <laughs> and I am willing to debate all of them. But yeah. Did
1: Blimey at Buhasta, and it was the first oh, commercially blimey. released of course. New England in Estonia. Yeah, it was released precisely a week before Anderson and Lehe did, uh, released there. Uh, did
0: you have the hot tip? Had you been like visiting Finn back in New York, and actually I've... came back ahead of the curve? No, no. but <laughs> I, I had had a bunch of them in, in the states already mm. at that time, and
1: but this was Johan of what. Um, what fame let's say uh, it was his brainchild okay but i do remember the anderson leher one there was a we that was sold a long time ago we sold a keg to court here in Tallinn, and they had a joint release so it was like oh, i remember that event had,
0: there was like a it was it was you drop the drop your coin in no the, no they had like a sheet of paper on the oh, okay. wall so and it was even to, more rudimentary than it that. was very to, rudimentary and and someone stole the sharpie almost immediately and the very angry-looking
1: former head brewer of Lehe was posted <laughs> right next to the
0: <laughs> scoreboard. With his, yeah, seven-foot-tall man with his arms crossed, like, who are you going to vote for then?
1: I remember there were a couple of times where people that I knew kind of, like, told me to distract them so they could go <laughs> and vote for us, <laughs> which was lovely. All of this is to say that been there, done that, Mm-hmm. There's very few beers that actually really excite me
0: nowadays. What's right. the
1: latest exciting beer that you've had that really
0: was like a beer oh, that this is really great. really excited me? Actually, uh, while I was in France just recently, I went to the La De uh, festival, right? And uh, while while we were in Paris, still, we we stopped by a little bar and. I cannot, for the life of me, remember what the name of the beer is, but it, it was um, it was a really great, uh, like wild saison, like Brett saison, mm-hmm. and it had been aged on on grape skins, and it was perfect. Like I could not have stressed enough just how good that beer was, and see, I stood there talking about it for ages. See, I would have to say that
1: I'm very much in the same camp. Most of the beers that seem exciting to me are either funky. Funky yeah. uh, beer wine hybrids definitely uh-huh. do it for me. Yeah. Uh, and also, more and more, I've noticed myself gravitating back towards uh, the classics. We've spoken about it. Uh, Guinness? Mu- Guinness doesn't really still, like, I've developed a liking, a tolerance, for a <laughs> tolerance for Guinness. Tolerance for Guinness. But it's still not really all that for mm. me. But a lot of the Belgian stuff that I really cut my teeth on yeah of course and one of them to me the crown jewel of belgian brewing outside of the lambics Mm -hmm. is orval
0: okay you you would put that in a crown jewel of the trappists yes mostly
1: just because it is so unique okay compared to any other of the trappists it stands on its own Mm -hmm. as orval it's just singularly orval there's nothing like it. With your, the rest of your Trappists, even the best of them, the flatterans, they still do a double, they still do a yeah, triple. Yeah, there's like the 6, the 8, the 12. Exactly. But Orval and is just Orval. Orval is just yeah. Orval. And in today's episode, we will take a little bit of a deeper dive into what makes Orval mm-hmm. Orval. Let's take a closer look at Orval in general, and maybe a little bit of the history of Orval before mm-hmm. we get to the actual brewing process of it and some of the myths surrounding Orval. Oh, I like the myths. Yeah, we, you'll have to yeah, no. just a little bit of history before we get to the, <laughs> the myths. The real stuff. Exactly. Orval, as you know, is one of the
0: Trappist breweries. Mm-hmm. What does Trappist mean? Can you remind us again? Trappist is an order of monks. Uh, I'm sure you've written down what the actual word is because I can't remember. Strict They're observance of something. Some something rather, yeah. Um, but uh, in order to be a Trappist brewery, uh, there are the strict rules that it must be brewed by or under the supervision of monks right. uh, within the walls of a Trappist monastery and be not for profit. Exactly. Or that profit must be distributed within the community or for the upkeep of the monastery itself. Precisely. Yeah.
1: The monastery as well as the brewery that we nowadays know as Orval is situated in the south of Belgium uh, mm-hmm. in the Ardennes mountain range. Which, I mean, in terms of actual mountains isn't all that impressive. But for us in the Baltics, sure. They're pretty impressive mountains. They are. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> as I always like to say, we in Estonia, we do have the highest peak in all of the Baltics.
0: And I know you're going to bring up... That Latvia
1: disagrees. But let them...
0: Let them, let the dogs bark. There's, there's a few meters in this. Wow! <laughs> um, the, the,
1: the caravan moves on, and we still have the highest peak. Uh, but, you know, the mountain range of the Ardennes, it still is somewhat isolated in terms of what Belgium is. Mm-hmm. Belgium is one like one hell of a densely populated place. But uh, in the mountain range, you have a little bit of que- uh, quiet. I don't damn near said queef. Uh, <laughs> peace and quiet, a.k.a. queef. Uh, and you have a bit of solitude. And this is precisely what first drew in uh, the monks mm-hmm. from northern Italy. They first got to the mountain range and what the region that later became Orval in 1070. That's a hell of a distance, actually. It is a nice little trek. Looking on our map, yeah. okay, but you have to keep in mind that uh, Italy's borders were also somewhat fluid at that oh, time, okay, so yeah. the, the borders may not have been precisely the ones that yep. you see on our co-host the map
0: on our map from the mid eighties. It's gotta no, it's be like, the nineties. It's, <laughs> it's post
1: yeah, but I'm pretty sure there is a few countries that South don't Sudan
0: exist isn't there. Huh. Well, but I think we've balkanized, right? Let me, let me take a look. You've got a, you're a bit closer to me than... There's no Yugoslavia. Okay. So it is... So we're somewhere somewhere in between the breakup of Yugoslavia and the formation of South Sudan. This started interesting me so much at the moment that I'm actually going <laughs> to my take off my take headphones, headphones and off. go take a, a closer and, look. Yeah, solve this once and for all. Oh, you're looking for the date. I thought you were looking for some telltale geographic feature. Anyway. Never mind. Top top tier podcasting. Top tier podcasting. I'm so glad we did Orval again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because we
1: definitely have improved upon it uh, so far. Uh, But, yeah, the monks, they trekked all the way up to the Ardennes. uh, They checked it out. They liked it. They left for Mm -hmm. a little while. And they were back... uh, Shortly after, and in 1124, the first version of the monastery was completed. We don't know precisely whether they were brewing beer, it probably, Mm -hmm. like as as you know, whatever, what else do you have to do as a monk? You brew beer, you pray, you copy books by hand,
0: and tend to the olives, as I'm let's one in Belgium, or maybe not in Belgium, not in West Australia. Not famously like a really good olive region,
1: Belgium, you know, but we have gone through this a few times uh, by now that Belgium has been and still is on the crossroads of a lot of major powers, mm-hmm. each of which has had laid claim and stake uh, in, in Belgium and in the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: we have gone through how they lost a lot of copper. Yes. <laughs> And well we can't yeah, we, we did see a good a good few transfers of power way back in episode uh three. When we was were it talking. three? It was three. The last uh, monks at Argal. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, right. It, there was like four or five kingdoms. Precisely. Yeah. And so naturally Orval also has been in the midst of this turmoil mm-hmm. throughout the centuries. And well hopefully nestled away in the mountains and not you know, having their copper stolen. You know, every every couple of decades. They have been raised
1: a bunch of times. Although so the relative isolation of the Ardennes definitely wasn't didn't help. like the saving grace. It helped somewhat mm-hmm. because I couldn't find anything about their copper being stolen per <laughs> se, but I know that the monastery was destroyed and rebuilt uh, at least three times mm-hmm. uh, in the thirteenth century in the sixteenth century and uh, uh for the last time in seventeen ninety three during the french Revolution
0: oh okay right so then that then that certainly survives uh better than because i think we i think we had the last the last rebuilding of of that monastery was post post world War two most probably. probably. And, and I think it got rebuilt a couple of times in between the French Revolution and, and World War II.
1: Orval also uh, was uh, rebuilt pretty recently.
0: Mm. I don't know if you've ever been. Uh, no, no. Uh, no. I have never visited any Trappist brewery, actually, which is something a that's... a shame. Up, yeah. That's definitely that's also on my, my list. bucket list. But uh, none of them are near anything. That's the like. That's the it's problem. not like you go to Antwerp and then. But then again, like, it is Belgium and I was things just about and, to say everything <laughs> is fact, near. In fact, everything is near Antwerp. Okay,
1: we, we got that out of the way. Neither of us actually have been, but yep. I've l- looked at a bunch of pictures online and it does look very beautiful, very medieval. We will continue to presume to talk about them
0: as if we have been. Though. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And uh, from the pictures and also. Going by people that have been mm-hmm. there it does look very medieval but in fact uh, the, what you see today that was uh, the building uh, or the construction of that building actually only started in the 1920s and uh, the first bit that was fu- uh, finished was the brewery in 1931 okay and the production of orval kicked off in 1931 this is when they first started making it like properly commercial
0: and this is the brewery that we know today this is exactly this is the brewery the, okay, that we know today 30. once they kicked off production uh, they
1: actually used the proceedings uh, from the uh, sale of beer to finish the monastery so there was the monastery uh, i mean the reconstruction of the yeah, monastery okay.
0: rather so it was partially reconstructed and then construction continued right up into the yeah. modern era basically Okay, that, that's it. That's it. One of the things that truly separates Orval from
1: a lot of the other Trappist breweries, much like Akel that we have already mm. alluded to a bunch of times today, is the fact that at Orval monks never have been
0: in charge of brewing. Oh, right. They they never actually took an active role in. No, because I, I do remember that as well from episode three was that there were no longer any monks actively involved, but. They, this, this has been the case always. No, there has never been monks actively involved in the At least process. since 1931, <clears throat> when Orval, as
1: we know it today, yep. uh, was born after the final reconstruction of the monastery as well as the brewery. Prior to that, I'm pretty sure monks were involved, but that's not Orval that's not as we know it today.
0: So they were overseers of the process. They
1: have always uh, just been overseers mm-hmm. and recipients of a lot of the proceeds. Right the proceeds here as you also mentioned in the beginning uh, as is typical for the trappist breweries just 45% of whatever they make in terms of money just goes to towards uh, maintaining the brewery mm-hmm. as well as the monastery and the rest the 55% go to various charitable causes
0: okay well wow. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot, actually. I mean, it's probably I would have not they'd... that much money, though, because they don't yeah. brew as much beer. I would have thought a lot more would just be to, like, the living costs of monks. No, just 45%. Oh, there you go. What, to me, makes Orval so special is
1: not the whole, the, all of the history that's connected to it, uh, not the fact that it's like, situated in a monastery. It's the fact that they make
0: some banging ass beer <laughs> yeah they do make a very nice beer I will, yeah, I, I will say that as well i maybe wouldn't call it my pinnacle of trappers beer but it is very nice to me it is mm-hmm. and sadly uh this time around
1: we don't have a we glass of uh, orval in front of us <laughs> as we did the last time which was a fascinating side by side and lucky
0: those six people that <laughs> got to listen to it, everyone else It was a great thought out. experiment that everyone, or all six people got to hear. Yeah. I mean... But this time you just have to imagine that we have, we have in the past tasted some Orval. Yes. Take uh, our word for it. And we found some pretty interesting tasting notes because mm-hmm. uh, one of the
1: ba- uh, bottles that we had was about 11 months old. And the other one was like, what, four months old? Yeah. And the beers were very distinctly different. Mm-hmm. One was a lot, of, a lot more effervescent, but also thinner, uh, more alcoholic, Well, a lot more of the horse-blankety bretonomyces vibes going on, mm-hmm. while the other one was strongly hoppy. A um, lot more sweet
0: and a lot more of the candy sugar. Which is funny because they don't use any candy sugar. They don't use any candy sugar, and yet you still get that like incredibly sweet kind of caramelly... Because they use flavor. caramel malts what also separates terrible on the tasting notes yeah you are <laughs>
1: mr elite brewer
0: yeah uh, what also well, I've se- never brewed Orval. <laughs> well whose whose fault is that
1: i can right. only apparently you. i
0: could though cuz like the monks don't do it yeah yeah. Or go and do a, an internship that's your career chance mm. uh, opportunity right here
1: Yet another thing that uh, separates Orval from the rest of the riffraff of the Belgian bibble freaks <laughs> is the fact that they've only ever really brewed this one beer. Mm-hmm. As we already discussed, everyone else has the triples, the doubles, the mm-hmm. blunts, uh, and whatever else they can get. figure out how to brew. But Orval is Orval, and that's it. And it is safe to say that if we somehow managed to find a time machine which I currently am working on and I, I had the chance to go back to 1931 and have an Orval I'm
0: pretty sure it would be more exactly or less exactly the same as mm-hmm. so what we get in shops nowadays but you meant like you you also did mention that Brett that like so it, it is a bretted beer. It's definitely a bretted beer. And we'll now get
1: to the actual brewing bit of okay. uh, now what makes Orval so special. Mm-hmm. It is a super strange, weird mixture of influences. First off, we have to acknowledge the fact that the recipe came to be during an age in uh, Belgium where British beers were the absolute
0: pinnacle of beer everyone okay. was super keen on old british stuff that was the new hype beer everyone had gotten sick of their regular blondes and most probably yeah and now they had porters and brown ales and a lot of stuff made with mm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you want to
1: regale our listeners with a brief uh, overview of yeah, what it actually so, is bretonomyces so,
0: yeah so brett is a it's a Common yeast or bacteria, uh, it used in a lot of uh, beers that gives it a kind of sour, as Larry mentioned earlier, like horse blankety, uh, funky barnyardy character. It's pretty undesirable in a beer like, say, something that Polular would make, uh, like a, an IPA. We really would not want Brett, and we would consider it an infection or an off flavor. But in some of the, well, particularly sour ales, mm-hmm. it's a really desirable characteristic. I think the first time we actually
1: spoke about Brettanomyces was in the Baltic Porter episode. It may have been. Uh, yeah. Because originally it has always been one of the uh, yeasts that gave Baltic Porters its unique taste. Mm-hmm. And also I would strongly disagree with the IPA a bit because uh, I definitely have
0: uh, made a red IPA. I mean, I've I've had Brett IPAs, and but that's lovely. like if you if you put it on the label. If your intention is for it to be a Brett IPA, then it's it's great. It's fine. Your intention. If your intention is to make a, a West Coast and it, there's Brett in it, then it's it's awful. It's your terrible. intention is
1: to make a Brett IPA once, and uh, henceforth, that's all. The, yeah. all <laughs> your IPAs will be. Well, very IPAs. often it's
0: not your intention, <clears throat> so you just change what it says on the label. That's
1: true, and uh, it is a very pers- um, persistent type of bacteria mm-hmm. that's
0: very hard to get rid of. Yeah, once, once it's, it's once it's in, in the, your stainless you, and like in the gaskets and yeah, especially in the, in the, yeah, it's, especially it's, in know, the packaging kill. line, yeah, it's yeah. a killer.
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure with what we may have contaminated at
0: least one packaging line uh, <laughs> of a friend of ours, and it tends to be a slow burn too. Like it takes a really long time for. Uh, the flavors of brett to develop so it may even be like undetectable in in
1: uh naturally there's various strains of it some Mm -hmm. of them are very quick acting a lot of them are used for like aging so they are exactly the ones where it takes about half a year for the full effect to to uh, come to the forefront but you know also i think what i mentioned earlier that uh, british beers were the rage and that's presumably where the breton Myces also comes from mm-hmm. because the name breton Myces even stems from british yeast which yeah, is course. what it was originally known as orval as i said is a super strange mixture of uh, influences because the recipe was first created by two of the brewers the head brewer martin pappenheimer uh, he was a german man <laughs> that's
0: uh, a great brewer's name
1: and his assistant was uh, John Van Huhler, or presumably Jan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he went by John because he had spent significant time in Britain, which is also where some of the British influences in the beer come from. Right. Uh, so um, it is said... Neither of these guys are monks. Neither of these guys are monks. Okay. That they're completely just laborers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's said that the strong hopping that is very characteristic for the Orval came from the German Pappenheimer uh, and the British influence techniques like infusion mashing and uh, dry hopping, mm-hmm. they came from Jan van Hühle. Uh, so the recipe that we drink today hasn't changed since the 1930s. Nor should it. Nor should it, I agree. I mentioned already that very untypically for, or very uncharacteristically for a Belgian beer, they use not one, but even two kinds of caramel malts. Mm -hmm. What else goes into the brewing is naturally the water. And the local water at Orval is very hard. They mash in at a very low temperature. I'm not entirely sure what the temperature is, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely on the lower end of mashing temperatures. Once they've done the Low mash in or ma- uh, low temperature mash, there's a big hop addition during the boil, right? Okay, some of the hops they use are Hallertauer. Then they list which, Ameri- which Hallertauer, just the Hallertauer that's it's mother Hallertauer, yeah. You have Hallertau Plank. you have mm, Hallertau mm. Mittelfru, all these various ones, but Hallertauer that's the yeah, that's Mama Hallertauer, yeah. yeah, yeah. They list American hops not specifying which American oh, hops. okay. So my guess is... Which is
0: was going to be my next question.
1: All the C hops. Yeah, I was just about to say, no, it's probably like Cascade and Chinook.
0: It would likely be more, I'm guessing, Bittering hops. Or it
1: is Bittering it hops is bittering because hops. it goes in uh, at the yeah, boil. Yeah. They also use Styrian golding. Okay. Uh, before Styrian golding, they used to use uh, Stresselspalt, mm-hmm. uh, but that uh, hop has somewhat fallen out of favor in the last... Two, decade or two and is not very widely available nor grown too much anymore so they go for slovenian grown styrian golding yeah they've got quite a
0: variety of nations here it is and
1: it it's it's just fitting for this beer that it in itself is a mixture of different cultures mm-hmm. and influences mm-hmm. with the germans the brits the belgian side of it uh it only makes sense that they use hops from various continents and various countries Mm. now if only i could get a special version
0: with a bunch of enigma or big secret (laughs) in it we could complete the 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 only thing that i've had that comes even remotely close to this is uh divine stefana hopfenweiss yeah there was um and you you're going to hate when i say this but the Cruz to sudden's the what what cruise to sudden's cruise de sudden's yeah. Southern, cross. Southern cross and that was a that was a galaxy hop uh, i thought they used sudden cross which no. is also a hop <laughs> yeah you know, i think they may have only done that in the australian market but that's that's kind of a strange thing to taste cuz you just think these these two things don't go together but th- see th- but it did go together it was so
1: good. This is, again, like we said, there's very few things in beer that actually truly excite me. And that's one. I guess.
0: a Galaxy hop or Val would do that. No, you said Enigma. Yeah. Enigma. Uh-huh. Or Big Secret.
1: Galaxy <laughs> yeah. could also do. But just
0: any New World hop. Well, America's the
1: New World, but there are. Newer world. Newer the world. The newer world. The newest of the
0: worlds. We'll, we'll do Galaxy and. Nelson, so we go Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand. Zealand, there you go. Uh, I do
1: feel that we need to add some African Queen from South Africa as well. Oh, I
0: loved that, so hop.
1: we could <laughs> cover all the
0: bases. But we'll never see that hop again, though. Or, or can we see it again? Mm. Or is that is that uh, confidential information? It's not confidential though, information. There is a chance. There's a I don't, a know. I don't know precisely. Maybe. We'll get together after and discuss our hop contract. (laughs) Let's do that later, after we turn off the
1: mics. (laughs) Don't want to give away any trade secrets here. But let's get back to the actual brewing. We finished off, or the last we mentioned was the boil, with the massive hop Mm addition. Once it's all boiled, once it's cooled down, it goes into primary fermentation for five days. After five days, it gets transferred into a horizontal uh, tank where it first meets the Brettanomyces. Okay. What does the fir- uh, primary fermentation, I'm not sure. Uh, I would guess it's probably a
0: house yeast of theirs. Some, yeah, some just local, or, airborne.
1: Uh, most probably not. I don't think it's a wild yeast, but uh-huh. I'm guessing it's uh, going to be like a Belgian ale yeast. Yeah, right. Um, anyway... Once it gets to the horizontal tank, it gets introduced to the bretonomyces, which quickly starts working. It spends a mere three weeks in the horizontal tank, Mm -hmm. after which it gets bottled. Then they bottle condition it for a month, because clearly they don't do bright tanks and forced carbonation. Do you (laughs) want to regale our listeners again?
0: Uh, Once again, (laughs) forced carbonation. So the very quick abridged version of forced carbonation again, episode 26, forced carbonation again. Uh, it's it's a small metal rod with millions of little holes in it that uh, sits inside the beer, and we can just connect a CO2 hose directly to and just put bubbles in the beer. It Orval puts the bubbles in that. the beer. Or uh, it gets the holes again. Yeah, Orval uses the traditional bottle conditioning method, which is that some... Controlled fermentation goes on in the bottle. That the, the yeast is still actively consuming sugar, and because it's creating CO2 in the bottle and the bottle is a sealed environment, that CO2 is dissolved into the beer, and then you have carbonated beer
1: when you open the bottle. Very true. Yeah. And I am so gassed at the fact that gassed. I can make you <laughs> regale us with the story of <laughs> Again. <laughs> again, it won't again, be the last again. time. It won't be the last time. Probably episode twenty-seven. It might happen, Uh, but once it's bottled, once it's been bottle conditioning for a month, it's gonna be ready to drink, and it's a a delicious golden nectar at six point two ABV
0: or Mm alcohol per volume. It's more of an amber. It's got this like copper red.
1: We have different standards of gold, and yeah,
0: metaphorical gold exactly. It's bottled at
1: 6.2 ABV, uh, the Brettanomyces keeps working at the beer. So mm-hmm. a while later, it's probably closer to 7, 7.2 even.
0: Your salad bottle.
1: Your salad mm-hmm. bottle is going to be a little bit uh, stronger in alcohol than yeah, the right. fresh ones. So this is the way they've historically always done it. Historically, the first five days of fermentation, which hints that you may being right with like a lot of airborne yeast being mm-hmm. involved is they used to ferment in open top fermentation vessels right uh, in 2007 they had relatively big renovations in the brewery where they first attempted switching over to they upgraded conical fermenters yeah okay but uh, they also got a new brew house, uh, which was a lot more efficient, bigger. So they can nowadays do in one day uh, brewing. They can do what the it used. to t- They can do in one day what uh, took them a whole week of brewing. Wow. Okay. Right. So they definitely upgraded. They have yeah, it's, and expanded. I would say it's a lot like Bohila upgrading the system compared to the old thousand liter one. Or
0: yeah. <laughs> Wait, um, did you did you say the first step was open fermentation? Was it the open fermentation first? Yes. And then it went into a Then festival. the horizontal
1: ones with okay,
0: rice. Right. Did we know if there was a cool ship involved? There's in no cool thing? ship involved. Okay.
1: So we, that's why I'm guessing they definitely pitch some yeast. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There's naturally going to be some wild yeast involved as well if it's an open top fermenter, but... Mm, I don't, I don't know exactly uh, all the microbiological yeah, yeah. parts of it. The switchover to conical fermenters took them a whopping three years because they would split their batches, half of them going into the traditional open-top vessels, half of it going into the first conical that they actually oh, installed.
0: Are they like blending away the flavor?
1: They weren't just, blending. They were just trying side by side whether they, uh, the conical fermenter oh, would okay. give them the, it was same the same beer oh, as right. uh, the open top. I, th- I thought they're making
0: some sort of like new Coke, where they just they're just sneaking it in ever so slowly, so that no one can notice.
1: <laughs> I think New Coke was enough of a failed experiment that everyone is uh, trying to keep never, away from never the New Orval. Coke, yeah. yeah, yeah, Only after three years of being absolutely and one hundred percent convinced that the beer from the st- new fancy stainless steel conical fermenters mm-hmm. tastes precisely like uh, the one from the old school open top ones, did they actually install the final five conical fermenters. So. Oh, wow. (laughs) It took them three years to be sure. And my guess is that time span also was spent on uh, trying to capture the essence of what they would uh, get from the open-top fermenters. Uh, Some of the airborne bacteria, uh, yeasts, whatever. So more and more, it's looking like they definitely have their house blend that they, they use anyway.
0: Having to do some lab work
1: there. Precisely. So with... The renovations with the upgrade in the brew house, etc, they definitely took up uh, or increased the total production as well. Mm-hmm. It is noteworthy that, as opposed to the majority of uh, Belgian breweries, they don 't really rely on export. a mere fourteen percent of their total output is exported, huh, which makes it even more fascinating that I can walk into. Any of the numerous specialty beer shops here in Tallinn, and get yeah, a bottle, and not only a bottle, but also a bottle from different batches mm. to
0: uh, try side by side. Yeah, because even like a bunch of that gets to Australia as well. Like, I'd, I'd had all before I left home. Fourteen percent—that's that's that's not much. No, and uh, and yeah, like you said, it is everywhere. It's like it's in any specialty bar in Europe. It is Since one of those beer. ubiquitous beers that's yeah.
1: always available somewhere. But I think because it is such a special, unique flavor, there's really nothing on the market that compares to mm-hmm. Dorval. I don't know how much they actually sell. That's maybe also because, or uh, that's maybe part of the reason why I was able to go to the shop and get bottles from various batches. Yeah. <laughs> Their total yearly capacity is just 67,000 hectoliters. Okay. Which isn't all that much. No. But yeah, just 14% uh, gets exported. I think a lot of it just goes straight into sellers of beer geeks, Mm -hmm. not to be drank for another four years or whatever.
0: Yeah, uh at least at least ten heck goes straight to culminator bar and is like slapped downstairs in the in the cellar that you need to ride a bicycle through. That's I, I'd ride a bicycle there. At Culminator? I'm I'm
1: usually have, not have you, super into riding bicycles. But you'd ride but a bicycle yes. There? <laughs> okay. I, absolutely. I would I would even ride a like one of those non electric manual scooters, which I a tend, manual to, scooter, which I generally it's just tend called a to, scooter. I just wanted to differentiate it from the various electric ones that we mm-hmm. have. But you know, growing up in the skate scene, to me, scooters are the absolute lowest of the low.
0: Okay, you take uh, your longboard down there. I take many a longboard down there. Have you ever been allowed in to Koolinator? Nope. See, I've only been you mean there. the bar, yeah, Yes, yeah, yeah.
1: but not the cellar.
0: Oh you, Okay, so you have been in Culminator. I've, I've only ever been to Antwerp during Billy's, when like every single beer nerd in the Benelux countries is in Antwerp and is trying to go into Culminator. So like, no amount of uh, brewery uh, prestige will get you into that door while that man is standing there saying no.
1: I would. I would have to say that Antwerp is best visited during the off-season, meaning outside of Billy's. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what, like, three hundred and three days (laughs) a year.
0: (laughs) I've never been outside of Billy's.
1: So that's a brief look at uh, how Orval is made. Mm -hmm. And I would be remiss if I didn't touch upon the myth connected to Orval. Yes, please. To get to the myth, we have first have to mention that uh, another thing that makes my dear Orval so <laughs> special is the unique bottle that it comes in. Mm-hmm. It is a very unique shape. No one else outside of Orval actually uses that shape. It's very recognizable. It's almost like a teardrop. And yet again, I did not know note- down the name of the of the uh, architect that designed uh, the current monastery as well as the brewery, but the same architect is credited with coming up the bottle, uh, with the bottle shape. Okay. Once you look at the beautiful bottle a little bit closer, you see that it also has a very unique label uh, mm-hmm. as a thin strip
0: around the uh, neck of the bottle. It looks like a nightmare. To put on. Well, yeah, because not only is it on the neck of the bottle, it's also a really weird shape. Yeah. But it looks so good. I don't think there's a machine on earth that could actually apply it. I'm pretty sure there is a machine, and it's probably <laughs> called Polish labor. The all oval machine.
1: The beautiful, weirdly-shaped label has nice gold lettering. Behind the beautiful gold lettering, mm-hmm. you see a fish, which, on closer inspection, has a golden ring in its mouth. Yes. Do you know why
0: that is? I do, but I feel like it's going to give away the punchline okay uh, <laughs> let, let me let me tell it then so it it is said that
1: with the first excursion into the Ardennes into what later became Orval mm. uh, along with the monks, uh, there also was a Tuscan countess called Matilda. She was a widow whose husband had just recently passed away, and uh, she was sitting at this spring one day uh, just gently running her hand through the water, I don't know, cooling it down, wiping away boogers, whatever Who knows it is. what fancy
0: nobles did. Exactly.
1: But once she pulled her hand out of the water she noticed that her dear late husband's uh, co- um, wedding band, or her wedding band mm-hmm. that her late dear husband had given her, was gone. And as any sensible person would, she started praying immediately, fell to her knees and uh, prayed to
0: her imaginary friend. Not, not reaching around in the, no. the, the shallow water at the edge of the pond she's Presumably, sitting in Presumably, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But her prayers were answered.
1: All of a sudden, a trout stuck its head out of the water. The trout had her golden ring in its mouth or what What you call it? More. Fishes have more, Alrighty. I think. <laughs> well, the more you know. Uh, so th- it had a golden ring in its maw. And uh, this magical, mystery fish still is on the label of the beer because of this myth. And uh, what makes it so special is uh, the fact that this spring that Countess Matilda lost her ring in is... To this day, still the source of all the water that Orval uses
0: for brewing. Unfortunately, they had to evict the trout. I guess. What the fuck was the trout doing in the spring in the first <laughs> in the place? Spring. See, mine's a little bit more fanciful. First of all, I'm I'm uh, happy to know that it is canonically a trout, and uh, but I think in in the story that I heard, the fish also talks. But I may have heard that third hand through like. You know he, LSD. He, yeah, he comes up with the the ring and he grants her three wishes. And can you do the voice? I will grant you three wishes. Well, here's yeah, your. That's ri- what a trout. Oh, that that's that's a trout like. sound. Yeah, alrighty. Because he's in the uh, now that he's in the air, it like really messes with his with his larynx, vocal cords. <laughs> <laughs> fish are known for their amazing vocal cords. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, thank you, magical fucking mystery fish.